Good morning, everybody. Now, I'm going to ask a question, and uh, I don't know whether anybody's going to remember, but uh, last time I spoke was Remembrance Sunday, and I asked two questions, two unusual questions, and I wonder if anybody remembers what they were. Does God have tattoos was one of them. And the other one was, does God forget? Does God forget? And I said the answer to both of those questions was yes. Which might surprise one or two people. And, and this is why, I'll, I'll, I'll explain the answers. The first one is this, does God forget? And I said, yes, he chooses to forget the sins of his people. And uh, there's a verse in Isaiah 43 that says this, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. And then God, does God have tattoos? I think that caused a bit of consternation, that one. And I said, yes, because in the Bible it says that his people's names are graven or written in the palms of his hands. And the reason it says that is there's, a, again, a verse in Isaiah where the people of God says to God, you've forgotten all about us. They were in trouble. And they complained to God saying that he'd forgotten all about them. And God responded in Isaiah 49 and said this, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have now compassion on the child she has born? Then it says this, Though she may forget, I have not forgotten you. See, I have engraved you in the palms of my hands. If we are God's people, the promise is that our names are written on the palms of the hands of God. He will not forget us. And the reason I come back to those questions is because the proof of that is Christmas. The proof of both of those statements is Christmas because that's why Jesus came, isn't it? God's gifts of his son at Christmas is the proof of those two statements. It shows that he hasn't forgotten us. He remembers us in our exile. He remembers us in our separation from him. Because he remembers us, he sent his son to save us at Christmas time. So this morning, I've got another two questions, and you'll be glad this time. They're simple, simple questions, and you'll probably know the answers to them straight away. I thought, I don't want to tax you on Christmas Day. I know you might have got up early to open your presents and all of that sort of thing. We slept in this morning. It was really nice. Uh, but I, I know if you've got children, you probably didn't have that opportunity. It doesn't always work that way, does it? But uh, our children are a bit old now, so they, they, they're sleeping. They're sleeping longer than we do, so, so we're fine these days, aren't we? But the, the first question is this, where is he? And the second question is, who is he? There you go. Nice, simple questions for a Christmas morning. Where is he and who is he? And uh, the question, the first question, comes from the visit of the wise men or the magi to Jerusalem. And they come to see Herod and everybody in the palace, don't they, as we well know. And they asked 
Where is he who is born king of the Jews? Where is he? And of course, they're in the wrong place, aren't they? So they can't find him there. So it says in Matthew's Gospel, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi or wise men, whatever title you want to give them, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked this, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in, uh, uh, when it rose and have come to worship him. And then it says this about Herod. It says, King Herod heard all of this and was disturbed. I think he was disturbed anyway, but it, it disturbed him even more. And all Jerusalem with him, where he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. And surprisingly enough, they came back with an answer. Which, you know, this surprises me because if they could come back with an answer, why didn't they know in the first place? It says this, in Bethlehem in Judea, perhaps they had to go searching and it took them a long, long time, but the impression is that they just went away and back came the answer. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me that I too may go and worship him. And I was thinking, you know, how did the wise men end up in Jerusalem? They were following the star, weren't they? The star was leading them to Jesus. And I suppose Jerusalem would have been the expected place where they might find the one-born king of the Jews. You know, when you think about who this baby was, Surely that would be the place they would expect to find him. You know, because of who he is, surely we would have expected to have found him in the most wonderful of places. You know, he deserved five-star accommodation, surely, this son of God. A grand palace, a grand hotel, the best of locations. And it made me think, you know, Around the world, there's some amazing places. I don't know what the most amazing building you've ever been in. A great palace, a castle, a fantastic hotel. Maybe a place you've stayed, maybe a place that you've visited. There's some amazing places around the world today, aren't there? Full of grandeur and just splendour, just looking amazing. And I wonder if you really... If you were there, did you really feel at home? Was that home for you? And I suspect probably not, because of who we are. We're, we're sort of normal people, and we don't sort of frequent those fantastic places, do we? But, you know, Jesus would have deserved to have been there. Whatever place you could think of, no matter how great and how grand, Jesus would have deserved to be there. Because, you know, whatever place you thought of, it would just be a shadow of what he left in heaven to come down to this earth. 
And yet, it's not where we find him, is it? It's not where we find him. Where is he? Where is he? We find him in a stable, lying in a manger. There's a song, a carol, that uh, reminds me of this. It's an old one. It's, uh, Thou who was rich beyond all splendor. I had a, a bit of an argument with your, your aunt the one time because she said there was no such carol. She'd never heard of it. But there's, a, there's an old carol, Thou who was rich beyond all splendor. And it says this, or in modern translation, You who were rich beyond all splendor, all for love's sake became poor. Thrones for a manger did surrender. Sapphire-paved courts for stable floor. You who were rich beyond all splendor, all for love's sake became poor. You who were God beyond all praising, all for love's sake became man. Made yourself low, but sinners raising, heavenwards by your eternal plan. You who are God, beyond all praising, all for love's sake, became man. You know, it was all for love's sake that he became man. He made himself low, low enough to raise sinners such as ourselves upwards, heavenwards, by his eternal plan. He came not to be served, but to serve. This is our God. He came not for the righteous, but for sinners, the poor and the needy. He came for you and for me. If we go back to the story of the wise man, it says this. Simply, after they had heard the king, that is Herod, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen when it rose ahead of them, sorry, the star that they had seen when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. You know, they continued, didn't they, their journey until they found the child, the newborn king of Israel. What did they do when they found him? It says they were overjoyed and they bowed down and worshipped him. These wise men, magi, kings, whatever title you want to give them, saw the baby and they worshipped him. They bowed down and offered him their gift. You know, I'm always struck by the fact that no one from Jerusalem joined them, as far as we know. No one was interested enough to join them on their quest to find Jesus. You know, often when you watch these things on the telly, they, people go on a quest, don't they? They start out with a little band and they pick up people along the way until in the end there's some big group that's able to handle all the difficulties along the way until they reach their goal. But it doesn't seem to be the case here with the wise men. We just see the wise men arriving and finding the baby lying 
in a manger. And yet, we've got to ask the question, what did they see that so many others failed to see? They were looking for the king of the Jews, weren't they? But I think they saw more than that. I think they saw the king of kings. Because they bowed down, they worshipped him. They offered him their gifts. Gifts that revealed something of who this child was and what he was destined to do. So what about you and me? Have we, like these wise men, made our journey to Jesus too? Have we found him? Have we bowed the knee? Have we worshipped him and offered him our gift? So that's where is he? And now we move on to who is he? And for this, it reminded me of another carol, Who is he in yonder stall, at whose feet the shepherds fall? Or newer versions say, Who is he born in the stall, the stable, the manger? Who is he? And I ask this question because the setting doesn't match who Jesus is, does it? The setting doesn't match. The surroundings, the scenery, the place. The child in a manger. As we said, surely he deserves something far, far grander. It reminded me that later on in Jesus' ministry, he asks a very, very similar question. He says this to his disciples in Matthew and chapter 16. He says, Who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I am? And you, well, most of you will know that his disciples responded by saying this. Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. But then he asked a more personal question, didn't he? He said, what about you? What about you? Who do you say that I am? And you know, this is one of the most important questions each of us needs to answer. Who do you say that I am? So I want us to look for a moment at this child in the manger. Again, like we did with the poshest building, imagine the scene and contrast it with that most amazing building that you've seen or been in and ask yourself the question, who is he? And I want us to remind ourselves this morning of what the prophets, the angels and the witnesses to that first Christmas had to say about this child when he was born. And to help us do this, if it works, we've got a little PowerPoint, which I've entitled, The Twelve Names of Christmas. There you go. No expense spared this morning. So it's over to you. There we go. Now, if you've been listening over the last two or three weeks, all of these answers should just slip off your tongue. In fact, if you've been listening to bits and pieces in the service this morning, some of the answers will slip off your tongue. So we're looking for 12 names that were given to Jesus in and around his birth. And I'll tell you the one which I think I've already heard, which is the bog-standard answer of Sunday school, is it not? If you don't know 
what the answer is going to be. Everybody used to shout out this one just so they could get a prize. And the answer is Jesus. <laughs> yeah, when in doubt, stick with what you know. That's the, that's, that's the one, isn't it? And, and uh, what, what I will say, uh, uh, there are some rules of the game. Only one name at a time, please. Okay. So, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. There we go. We're doing well here. <laughs> Saviour. James at the back. Well, in the middle. <laughs> King of Kings. It's not on my list. Oh. I'll let you have another think. Well, we'll go to the, go to the back. I'm not saying it's not right, but it's not on my list. <laughs> Prince of Peace. Is that on my list? Yes. Number three. Oh, yes, you can see, can't you? <laughs> Messiah. I think that's number seven. Messiah. Oh, we're doing well now. Son of God. Yes, yes. <laughs> think of Isaiah and the, pro the prophecy. And I think you'll find that Carol mentioned this several times last week. You did. <laughs> Wonderful counselor, yes. Yes, it sticks to, stick to the same verse. Yes. <laughs> That's Howard, that one. I think you'll find there's another one in that verse too. <laughs> well done. I'll be at the back. Who were the wise men seeking? King of the Jews, that's Simon. I'm trying to find what, we, what we've got left. Um, yes, yes, yes. Got an there. That's the angels to the shepherds. And then the last one, you've got to think of John's gospel. There you go. The word, there you go. So think about that just for a moment. All of those names and titles given to this baby born in a stable, lying in a manger. It's amazing to think of all of those names, isn't it? I'll go back to the carol. Who is he born in the stall? At whose sheep, at whose sheep, at whose feet the shepherds fall. You know, this, this carol takes us all the way through the life of Jesus. And it shows us how Jesus became the man whose life and actions fulfilled all of those titles, those names. It says this. 
Who is he born in the stall at whose feet the shepherds fall? Who is he in deep distress, fasting in the wilderness? It is the Lord, our wondrous story. It is the Lord, the King of glory. At his feet we humbly fall. Crown him, crown him, Lord of all. Who is he, the people bless, for his words of gentleness? Who is he to whom they bring all the sick and sorrowing? Who is he that stands and weeps at the grave where Lazarus sleeps? Who is he, the gathering throng, greet with loud, triumphant song? Low at midnight, who is he? Praise in dark Gethsemane. Who is he upon the tree, dies in grief and agony? Who is he that from the grave comes to heal and help and save? Who is he that from his throne rules through all the world alone? It is the Lord, a wondrous story. It is the Lord, the King of glory. At his feet we humbly fall. Crown him, crown him, Lord of all. So just to finish this morning, I'd like us to ask that question to ourselves. Who is he to you? Who is he to you? Have we found him? Oh, it's disappeared. Have we found him to be? All of those things. And have we discovered him for ourselves? Just want us to look at just one verse. It says when uh, the shepherds came to Joseph and Mary in the stable, they told Mary and Joseph, all that the angels had told them, and it says this about Mary, it says this, Mary treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. Treasured these things up and pondered them in her heart. And you know there's so much that else is going to go on today, and it's great, isn't it, that we can celebrate Christmas. But take some time to think about these things and ponder them in your heart today. Thanks for listening. Thank you.